Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up Inspiring Health Stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I'm also the founder and chief storyteller of TV Media Group. But for the purpose of this podcast, I am your health and wellness matchmaker. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Hit that subscribe button right there on YouTube and connect with me on LinkedIn. That way you'll get all the updates about future episodes. Now, on this episode of Lift You Up, you're going to meet Jeff Rocker. He is a licensed mental health counselor and also the founder of a nonprofit called How We See It. He's working hard to break down the stigma associated with mental health. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want. It is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Today, I am so excited to be joined by Jeff Rocker, who is the CEO and founder of How We See It, Inc., and also a licensed mental health counselor. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you. Well, first, before we dive in, because we have a lot to cover today, and I'm really excited to talk to you about several topics. Um, But first, tell us a little bit about your story and who you are, what you do. Right. So how did I get to this point in my life? So I was born and raised in Miami, Florida, in the great city of North Miami Beach. And what, one thing I learned about when I was growing up is that there was a lot of gang violence, there was drugs, there was a lot of people who were doing illegal activities. Now, one thing I learned is that everybody knew a street pharmacist, nobody knew a therapist. And that, and that really impacted our community because, because we can't talk about it, we find negative ways to lash out. And that's how the, a lot of my people that I knew, friends and family were impacted. Now, fast forward a little bit more. Now, for me, like most inner city kids, we love basketball or, or sports better yet. So for me, I always had dreams about going to the NBA. Now, here I am in ninth grade, playing high school ball, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I got to myself to a little trouble where ultimately I got kicked off the basketball team. Now, you could, you could imagine inner city kid who their dreams has always been to go to the NBA because going to the NBA league is a lot closer vision than being an actual doctor. So when that happened, went to straight depression, and I really lost myself during that time frame of my life. It took a school counselor to help me get back on track. And at that point, I realized I need to be in this, in this environment, this career field to help other people who look like me, talk like me, to get over their issues. And that's my story. Awesome. So, well, and thank you for sharing that, by the way. Yeah, of course. No problem. Uh, what happened you said you kind of fell into depression what can you kind of explain what that was like and what you were feeling and going through at the time yes so when i went into a state of depression there was a a high level of sadness you know i was at a point where i didn't want to get out the bed of course i was i was missing a lot of days in school and where you know by the way i'm haitian so when i'm talking to my parents about this they didn't know how to react to it their their first response is you know you'll figure it out you know or man up or you know, or get over this, you got this. But really, when you, when you get a state of depression, it's more than just those few words that's gonna get you over the hump. You really have to get help to get over it. You actually have to share these feelings, share these emotions, share these 
thoughts to get over the hump because it's it's hard. And for people mm-hmm. who've been through depression, know that it's, it takes a while. It's a process. It's not something that you can fix overnight. Mm-hmm. And was had anybody in your family, because like you said, when you were going through this, um, you know, your parents' reaction was kind of like, man up, you'll be okay, you'll get through this. Um, had you been exposed to the idea of working with a counselor or a therapist um, before? Oh, not at all. Listen, in the Haitian culture, that's unheard of. We don't talk about our feelings. We don't share from, from the outside of the family. Nobody's supposed to know anything that you're going through. So me actually going through that process of actually sharing what I've been through with a total stranger, it was scary to say the least. But I knew it was something that needed to be done because if I didn't, I'd have gone on a, on a very negative path, which I would have been here today. So you said you ended up working with a, a school counselor. Yes. How did you find out that that was available to you? Well, luckily, after, you know, my teacher said I went to a little slump, they reached out and they told me, you know what, you need to go reach out to the school counselor. So they referred me to the school counselor on campus. And that's where I got the help. Because before, I'm not going to lie to you, I didn't know we had a school counselor because they're not as publicized in the school system. Even now, today, they're still not as, as publicized. I mean, from when I grew up, a school counselor or a guidance counselor, either or, um, they were known for changing schedules. Right. You know, not so, so not so much helping you through tough issues in your life. Yeah, so that's I interesting had, that you say that because I think of like our guidance counselors as the people that we can go to to kind of help us get into college or prepare for that process. Like you said, schedules. But I didn't realize either that you could really go to them if you are battling something um, inside of you. So that was great. You had in some of your teachers you know, people who could identify this in you and say, hey, this resource is here for you. What was that like maybe the first time you opened up and met with your school counselor? Uh, like I say, it was a very scary experience, you know, because like I said, you meet a total stranger and you find like, now you, you realize you have to trust this person with your emotions. At first you try to give them a short story or short answers because you don't want to get them everything, but you but you quickly find out if you don't give all the information, there's no way to get able to help you throughout your, your situation. So you have to open up. Mm-hmm. Now, for a lot of people opening up, it's a process. It, it doesn't happen over one session or two sessions. It may take a, over four or five or maybe eight sessions to open up. But once you do, you, felt, you, you feel a lot better after that moment happens. So what kind of change did you see in yourself after this first time working with your school counselor? And over what period of time would you say? After the first two or three sessions, now I realize, you know, life, listen, life is short. And, you know, you can't dwell on something that happened in the past. So for me, losing basketball, I always felt like basketball is NL, be all. And I had to quickly learn that there's more in life than just one aspect. You know, although basketball is still my love today, don't, don't get it twisted. I still love basketball. <laughs> However, I realized there's so much more to life where I can engage and still be happy, where to be through me providing therapy or me engaging the community and helping the others become successful, or, you know, or music and those others are working out. So those are the things that bring happiness to my life. And that's what I had to learn at that time in my life. At some point when you were uh, working with your school counselor, did your parents find out you were? Yes, they had to know for me to, to work with the school counselor at that point. And they, they was okay with it because at the end of the day, they wanted me to be happy and get me back on track because they, and plus they wanted me to go back to school because like I said, I was missing days of school. 
because of the, the depression I was going through. So there was like, whatever it takes for me to get back to where I need to be so I can go to college and be successful, that's where I want my son to be at. That's great. So tell me where the transition happened from you being the, the patient to now wanting to be a licensed mental health counselor providing those services. I mean, after you get, you see what it is to be a patient, you realize there's a lot more people in the world struggling just like yourself. And I think that for me, it became very clear that my community is struggling. My community is, my community is hurting. And there's nobody there, at least in their eyes, that's there to help them. And the people who are there to help them, they don't look like them, they don't talk like them. So that trust level, the, the ability to build a rapport with them is just not there. It doesn't mean that the, the counselors are doing anything wrong, it's just that you have to find a way to meet people where they're at. And I think at that time in my life, there was not many counselors that was doing that. Can you kind of dive into that a little bit more? Um, because obviously there's a, a lot of conversations right now um, especially after the murder of George Floyd um, and then the subsequent following um, protests that followed that. Um, a, a lot of conversations happening around diversity and inclusion and, like you said, kind of seeing yourself in the therapist. Why is that so important? You know, I would say being a therapist, you know, 50% of the battle is earning your client's trust. And when you're unable to accomplish that, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to help the client because like they're not gonna trust you. And when they don't trust you, they're not gonna open up to you. If they don't open up to you, you're not gonna get nowhere because now they're gonna think that everything that they say you, you're gonna judge them. Everything that they say is gonna be you, you may criticize them. You may not do it out loud, but internally they feel like you're you're the enemy. And like any enemy, <laughs> you're not gonna let them know anything. So I think that the way for nowadays clinicians, the way to engage people is that you got to see where their comfort level is at. That's why even nowadays I provide in-home therapy just to help people feel comfortable where now, where before people always met the met their therapist at the office. And, and believe me, I get it all the time. When I met my therapist at the office, I was so nervous, I was so anxious, and I really didn't open up until the last couple of sessions. But meeting people where they are, where they can kick back, relax, and open up to their personal feelings and emotions in their home has been very helpful. So little things like that thing has been a critical transition for a lot of people to you know open up to their therapists. Yeah. Why do you think there aren't as many therapists of color? <laughs> oh boy, this, this <laughs> thing, it's unfortunate, but a lot of negative stigmas, be, stigmas behind, or stereotypes behind being a therapist, which is they don't make no money. Now, you can imagine, like I said, being an inner city black boy, you know, and thinking about, okay, I want to make money, I want to be successful, I want to have a nice car, a nice house, but yet some of these other people are telling you that, you know what, this this profession doesn't make no money. You're like, oh my gosh, now I don't want to do this, although I love helping people, but I need to provide for myself. So that's something that I always try to change within my community is that to understand that there is money to be made in this field. Of course, you're going to have to do some work and some branding, some marketing, but if you work hard at anything, you will find what you're looking for. Right. So that, so I think that's the, that's one of the stigmas that we have to battle as therapists. Mm-hmm. And do you think another is kind of going back to what you said about your own parents and kind of saying, hey, man up, you know, not really having that initial um, switch in their minds that ther- therapy was a, you know, a, a good option. And it's kind of a stigma within the, 
black community. Um, do you, would you think that's part of it? If if so many in the black community don't necessarily um, utilize therapy, um, that they wouldn't necessarily advocate for that as a profession. I, I truly believe that providing the education to a lot of different uh, culturally um, sound families is very important because like I said, for me and my family didn't know nothing about being going to a therapist for help. You know, we knew about going to a priest or, you know, a, a, a pastor or even a witch doctor to some degree, but we will never go to a therapist. We, it was unheard of. So providing that education to nowadays would be very important. And to also let them know that there are therapists who talk like them. So speak, so being culturally competent, I think is very key, you know, speaking speak their language, whether it be Spanish or Creole or French and so forth. I think that's key as well. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of walk me through to where you are now. Um, mm -hmm. I know you're a licensed mental health counselor, but yes. also the founder and CEO of a nonprofit. I want you to tell us a little bit more about that, because it sounds like your story was really the driving force behind find, founding this nonprofit. Well, you know, I will say that I want to for all business owners, you want to have your business represent who you are as an individual. So I wanted to create an organization that's very, you know, outspoken and very diversified in that sense. So with, you know, for me, I provided, I, I decided to incorporate music in a way I gauge a lot of young adults in the community because for me, music was very important. You know, listen to people like Tupac and Biggie who told who told their stories through music. It, it, was, it was kind of like a teacher teaching a class through music, but people, but people don't look at it that way at the time in the past. But now to bring music in the, in the front of, to everything that's going on in society, I think it's very important. So that's why I created something called Hip Hop Therapy, where we provide, you know, of course, mental health awareness to people in the community through the use of hip hop. So hip hop therapy, how does that work? Does that, is that the same as how we see it, Inc., or? Different? Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's, it's, it's one of the services that we provide in the community to teach young adults about what mental health looks like and how to overcome them. Okay. Now, are you work? How are you finding these young adults? Is it through the schools, or how are you working with them? Yeah, so most of our services are usually through the schools and universities, high schools and universities at this time. And why is that so important to kind of provide this hip hop therapy to to youth? You know, I would say the way to make change is to show that change is going on as we speak. So showing them that therapy looks very different than what they're known, whether it be from TV or movies, I think that's the key to a lot more people to receive mental health services. So, cause when I, every time in the beginning, when I told somebody I do hip hop therapy, they're like, what's that? That sounds pretty cool. Without knowing nothing about it, the, the name itself sell it, the program itself, because they're like, that's, that's therapy? Because they're so used to meet a therapist in the movies, of course. And so an older male, maybe a female with glasses on, with a notebook and taking notes down, <laughs> which is, I mean, by, by all means, there's, there are people who still do that, but that's Absolutely. not the way I provide therapy. That's not the, but the people I work with, that's, that's not the way they, they receive help to, for therapy. So that's not the way I'm, I'm approached there. And right. I, you have to be able to show them that there's different ways to, to engage in those therapeutic approaches. And kind of walk through what some of those way, those different ways are and how you make uh, the youth that you work with feel comfortable in a therapy setting that is not your typical, okay, older person with glasses sitting here with a, a notebook taking notes. You know, I would say you, you must get to know what the youth want. And I, what I realized, music is the key. 
I say music's transcended through all cultures and age groups. So I realize nowadays it's the international kids, language. It is. It is. So you have to engage in the hip hop culture because that's where the youth is at, and that's a that's been my way of connecting with kids. But also just like the basic things. If you know a kid is an athlete, I watch sports. If you know if someone loves TV shows, reality shows, let's talk, find a way to connect with them. But like I said, meet them where they're at. Get to know your client. Get to know what their likes are. And engage them that way because that's the way they don't learn. They're not engaged, they're not gonna learn anything. 2020 has definitely been a crazy year, right? Um, yes. But I'd, I'd be interested in getting your thoughts from the mental health perspective, um, you know, as a, a licensed counselor. As far as how you think, one, we could talk, you know, COVID 19 and the stay at home orders to now social distancing and, and all that's impacted, you know, um, our lives on a daily basis there. How do you think that's impacting us as a whole, as people? I think that right now, if not all, most people, their stress level is at an all-time high than normal. You know, with the COVID, with the protests, everything that's going on in the world right now, where, you, where before you were able to manage and, you know, get through certain things, now it's like, okay, it's times 10. You know, I was, for instance, I had a person who, after, by the way, my favorite basketball player is Kobe Bryant. So after he passed away, a lot of people felt hurt by it. And mind you, think about it this way. Uh, many people haven't even met Kobe, but they were still hurt by it. And that's something that we call about vicarious trauma, it's the, which is the emotional residue of indirect or direct experiences by other people. And for me, when I, like for a lot of people, when, they, when the death of Kobe Bryant occurred, a lot of people started to think about their own mortality. They start thinking about, is it okay to fly? You know, these type of things that happen when it's not happening to their close relatives or, or friends, but someone that they respect in the community. And this is what's going on in the community now is that with the death of a lot of black on our men in the community, now it's to the point where we become emotionally tone deaf because it's happening so much right now that now we have reprogrammed ourselves to think, you know what, it's just another day in the USA. You know, people die, people get killed. Okay, that, that's just life. Where it's, it's not supposed to be that way. You know, we ha and that's why now people are speaking out more because they want to see the change, the change that we must have in America, in today's society. Black Americans are experiencing trauma as we watch these videos like the murder of George Floyd um, as many other very similar incidents that have happened. Um, and I, I know you just mentioned, hey, we we now want to we're not no longer tone deaf. Right. We, we want to mm -hmm. see the change um, after hearing story after story, year after year, month after month. Um, but what's happening from like a mental health perspective to us as we kind of live this? I think now we've, we've become more paranoid. I think more than ever. I mean, nowadays where people were. At, at times where willing to call the police when certain issues happen in the, in the, in the community, now they're less likely to, to do so. Because now they feel that if a police will come to their house, no matter what the situation may be, their life is on the line. And it can't be that way. Because now if you see a police cop car, you're thinking, oh my gosh, are they gonna pull me over? Are they gonna shoot me? Are they gonna kill me? And, and it's not supposed to be that way. I, I have black uh, friends who are officers. Even then I'm questioning like, okay, I know you're my friend, but What's really going on? Do I have to worry about my life, even though you're friends, but when you put that badge on you, you're a different person. You know, these are the type of things that people are thinking about on, a, on an ongoing basis, whether it be black, white, Hispanic. I think that 
it, it's a, it's affecting everyone. It's not just a black problem. It's a it's an American problem that we have to face right now. No, absolutely. Are you seeing and hearing more from your patients? Um, you know about how they've been impacted by the events of this year. Um, and the images that they've seen on TV or, or the protests or being involved and kind of on the ground, are you kind of seeing more um, and hearing more from them about that? Yes. Well, what I'm getting, the feedback that I'm getting from a lot of my clients is that where before they, they felt helpless, now they, they feel more empowered to, and, and responsible to do something. You know, whether it be speaking up, protest, or vote for the right uh, officials within the community to make a difference. But they feel like now's the time to do something. Where before they're like, if I did something, it wouldn't mean nothing. Now they know that their voice matters. Their perspectives matters. And I think mm -hmm. that's where we're going as a community now. Yeah, absolutely. And do you want to talk about some of your own experiences? Because I know you spent some time um, yourself kind of traveling around the country throughout the last month and participating in protests and I'm sure some other things as well. So. Share with us what, what those are. Yes, uh, of course, I, I had to protest here in my backyard, here in the, the Miami Dade County area as well. But I think that being present, letting people know that no matter what um, socioeconomic status that you're in, rich, poor, black, white, just being present and, uh, of course, voicing your, your pain, your suffering, your opinions about what's going on in the world, it matters. A lot, like I said, before, when people thought that their voice doesn't, doesn't matter, it matters. That's why I created an organization called How We See It, because our voice matters, our perspective matters, and those things are the, what people need to hear to make a difference. If you don't, if you don't advertise the other side, of the, 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 the voices in the community, how are you going to expect change? Before, all you heard was the voices of you know, certain professionals, CNN, but now people in the community that are right next door to you, you're seeing them on TV. You're seeing the voice. You're hearing the voices. And that's where how change is, is, is applying right now. To the point where even the NFL, they changed the 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 name of one of the NFL teams to watch the Redskins to now they about I think they're about to change it by tomorrow to a different name because of people voiced their opinions about how that name was hurtful to that that group of people. We have a lot of uncertainty um, ahead the rest of this year, probably looking into next year, and I know that creates anxiety for people um, around, you know. Uh, like we said, a variety of just things that are happening in our in our world right now. Are there any tips that you can give people to kind of manage the uncertainty in their lives right now? You know, I would say contact your support system. I think many times we try to do things on our own, and I think that's what at least to our failure because it's human nature that everything in life we can't do by ourselves. We need each other, whether it be family, friends. Uh, co-workers, whoever that you feel comfortable with, use each other to survive. And I think right now, that's what it's, that's what it's going to take is to survive. It's like we're going to need each other to move forward through this year, which has been a very, very tough year to say the least. But, you know, it's just halfway through. It's still another five months to go for the years over. So we have to be positive. We have to be active and understand that we just have to learn to adapt to the, these tough times in our lives. Of course, meditation works, working out works. But finding things that, that makes you still happy to engage moving forward because you just can't stay home and do nothing. And I think that's where some people are heading towards is that I know a lot of people can't go outside right now. I understand. But that doesn't mean that you can't do nothing. I would say plan for your success, plan for your future. There's always something you could be doing right now. Mm -hmm. 
I like that. Any ideas as far as if someone's like, well, I feel like all I can do is just sit at home and do nothing. But like you said, meditation, working out, those are two really good options that I can personally say definitely relieve stress and help with some of those anxiety levels. Is there anything else? You know, I would say come up with your million dollar plan. Because, you know, a million dollar plan is not something that you can think of overnight. It's going to take time and a lot of work and research and so forth. But believe me, there's always something you could do because the whole goal is that you want to make sure that you put yourself in the right positions than you were yesterday or, the, or last week or a month ago. So to do so, you got to put some time in, into yourself, into your family. And we didn't even talk about family because right, right now, <laughs> I saw the statistics, there's a lot of domestic violence cases going up since the COVID-19 happened in America. Why? Because now people are forced to deal with issues that they never had to deal with before. You know, the, when you went to work, you know, that was your distractions from you dealing with your spouse. But now, when they say now you're unemployed, or they cut down the hours or they followed some of their employees, now you're forced to deal with those issues that you push to the side. So even so when I say there's things to work on, believe me, there's a lot of things that could be we could be working on right now. Right. And it sounds like a lot of that is really being honest with yourself and having conversations yes. with yourself. Like, <laughs> hey, they, listen, there are things to do and things to work on. Now, if someone says, hey, I'm not experiencing anxiety or depression, as you, you know, you may think of it, it, is there still a reason for somebody to, or a positive benefit for someone to um, schedule a visit with a mental health counselor? Almost definitely. I always say, you know what, nine to 10 times people do a yearly checkup. Why? Because it's just what it is, it's checkup, physical. But they never want to do a mental checkup. Why is that? Because one thing you quickly learn is that mental health goes hand in hand with physical health. So if you're not mentally stable, you won't be physically stable as well because mental health could cause physical issues. So there's nothing wrong with getting just getting a regular checkup with a mental health professional just, just to reassure that everything's going okay. I love that. Mental health goes hand in hand with physical health. Absolutely. It absolutely does. And I think it took me way too long um, in my life to learn that and realize that. Um, so tell me, who's the right client for you? Uh, listen, I, I'm open to all clients. I think any client who wants to better themselves and willing to put in the work, I'm the therapist for you. Because I think that I'm willing to work with people who want to work for themselves as well. I can't force you to do anything. I can't make your life better. We can make your life better. So it's, a, it's, a, it's like a dance. And I can't dance by myself. You know, so I'm going to use your dance with me or, or I dance with you to make your life better. Awesome. And if a parent maybe has, you know, their child in in the schools, how can they learn more about How We See It, Inc.? Yeah, so they can go on our, on our website, which is howweseeit.org, or they can follow me on Instagram, uh, AskJeff, A-S-K-J-E-F-F, -F, or our Instagram business page, which is how we underscore see it. Awesome. And we'll make sure to link to all of that below in the show notes. Is there anything else, Jeff, that I didn't ask you that you wanted to add? No, but, you know, I just want to say for all everybody out there, don't be afraid to get the help. You know, now this is 2020. You have celebrities, you have stars, rappers, singers, they're all talking about mental health, and you are no different. Get the help. I don't care Haitian, Jamaican, culturally who you are. doesn't matter. Get the, Just get checked up. Because I already talk about things now rather than, you know, something happens later on in your life. Just today I saw something about Tamara Braxton attempted suicide. So believe me when I say mental health issues are going on all over, so don't be afraid to get the help because I want you to be alive. I want you to be happy. I want you to be successful. So please get the help. Absolutely. I love that. And hey, 2020 is the year of, 
breaking down walls, breaking down barriers, and opening up understanding. So I'm right there with you. Thank you so much. Of course, anytime. I hope you go ahead and connect with Jeff. Again, all of his information, his website, his Instagram is below in the show notes. And you know what I want you to do? Hit subscribe on YouTube. Connect with me on LinkedIn. That way you can get more notifications about future episodes of this podcast and we can stay connected. Let's have a conversation. Hey, maybe you'll share your story right here. So until next week, because I know I'm going to see you back, stay healthy, stay happy.